Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It's freaking Friday. Super Bowl on the other side of this. How are you doing? Let's go. I'm excited to be sharing with you a conversation that I had with my man, Prism God. You know Prism God. You have seen him everywhere. He is a guy who is always doing work. I've seen him on Instagram, YouTube, you name it. He's got something going on, and he's got something big going on here. Coming up very, very soon, he is running the Culture Collision Trade Show 2022 February 25th and 27th in Atlanta, Georgia. He is a community organizer around the hobby with a lot of passion, a lot of ideas. Excited to share that conversation on the other side of this. Like what I'm doing over here, hit the subscribe button. More importantly, tell a damn friend you're enjoying the Stacking Slabs podcast. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. I'm excited about this conversation. I was just telling our guest, uh, we haven't had many interactions, but he's someone who I've been following and um, is always seems to be making moves and is a busy person in the hobby. I'm joined by Prism God, Raphael. Welcome to Stacking Slabs. Happy Friday as we record this. How are you? Good, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me on the show, man. I appreciate it. No doubt. Um, so I think let's start from the top and then we'll get into a little bit about you, but I always appreciate organizers and people who are putting on shows and events in the hobby. And I know you've got Culture Collision coming up February 25th, 27th in Atlanta. I believe this is your second time running the show. So maybe we just start from like, we'll talk about what's coming up with the, the this show in a couple of weeks, but what's the reason behind it? Like, what was your inspiration and for you to go out and say, hey, I want to put on a show for the hobby and here's kind of my vision for what I want to do? First of all, I want to say thank you for being one of the contributors of the hobby because putting out content like what you're doing now is very important. We need to have a, I think what happened for a very long time is we never had conversations about the hobby, right? And I think now that we're starting to do that, I think because of people like yourself, I had a podcast myself, but I couldn't keep it up because I started to get too busy. And I do, and I, I and I felt like, you know, I, I have to figure out a way to contribute to the hobby in a way that can be game changing. And I started to kind of realize that there was problems that were going on during, during the duration of like how, what, how things were going in a hobby. So, um, I started recognizing that people were priced out of the hobby that, um, that I feel like that, um, uh, they're like, I feel like with this like tight club that, you know, that if you're cool, if you're cool, we'll let you in. If you're not cool, we won't let you in. So reason behind it is we go to a show and you, you talk to somebody about a car and they say $50,000 or $20,000. And it's like, I think I'm in the wrong room. <laughs> and I think that happens a lot. So I wanted to come up with an idea. And it was either going to be a card shop or a card show. And my wife was kind of basically saying, you have to do either or. And so when I decided to do, like, I went with a card show because I felt like it was cheaper, less expensive. And I was like, all right, cool. Let me just figure out a way to make this special. And I felt like for a long time, card shows have been in this area of just being like really bland, kind of like boring. 
It's like everybody, nobody gets excited until the Nationals. And there's and there's a few shows in between that happen, like the Dallas show, the Chicago show. I actually like the Philly show as well. And there's probably a few shows maybe in California that are probably just as good. But overall, it's just bland. It's a bland experience. I think one of the first shows that I went to that was a little different was the Miami show. And that was run by, uh, I think, uh, Summertime. Uh, he did a really good job. He actually implemented some ideas that I wanted to implement in my show. But since this show was before mine, we got I got a chance to see how people, in, in, you know, interacted with that idea. So people love the DJ idea. It has to happen. I don't see, you know, I don't see how it doesn't happen. I don't think it bothers anything, but I don't want to go too deep down the rabbit hole. But let me know if I'm going too far ahead of you. Maybe something I want to touch on that you said is like, and we all have this feeling of, going to these shows and seeing, you know, the showcases with 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 cards. And, and that's what hits our Instagram feed. And that's what people share. And that's what all the auction houses are talking about. But for like a majority of the hobby, like we're priced out of that. So is that something you're being mindful of as you kind of facilitate, like who's going to be in the room, like how dealers are set up? Like, how are you thinking about that with the show you're putting on? Well, the show I'm putting on, I really want to cater towards A to Z collectors. I want to have something for your high-end collectors. I want to have something for your, you know, beginners who just want to get into the industry and find a way. So one of the things we pushed and really been pushing is kids are free. One of the things I feel like, you know, when when you're a kid and you're 10 years old, that's like when I was young, when my mom took me to the Chicago Sports Spectacular back when I was young, she took me to that. That was my first experience of going to a card show because I kind of added, asked her to do it. It was like, they used to show the advertisements on the back of the Chicago Sun-Times saying all the autograph guests that would be there. I'd be like, okay, I want to go see them. I never saw the autograph guests. I just wanted to go look at the cards that I probably couldn't afford. And at the time, we, were not, we weren't talking maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars. We we're talking about like maybe a thousand dollars, a couple thousand, which was common back in the day. But to answer your question, I think that it's important for us to, because I feel like, Card shows are a gateway. It's a gateway for for new people and regular people who are, who are active in the community to kind of come together. And I think that it's a responsibility for us as being a collectors or being people who are knowledgeable in the, in the space to be welcoming. And us as, and when you're a vendor, you have to be, you know, I think having good customer service and being able to talk to people. So those are the type of people that when I go to shows, I mean... I don't always pass out flyers to every vendor. It's certain things that I actually look for. I look for people who are open to new ideas, who I feel like fit the dynamics of what cultural collision is. But at the same time, though, if somebody wants to be a part of it, I'm not against it whatsoever. But but I think, you know, some people may not like it. You know, oh, I got a DJ. Oh, I'm doing this. Oh, I'm doing that. Oh, I'm putting a basketball court at the show. At the show. You know, so. I just think that, you know, it's time that we push the envelope when we were talking about millions of dollars in cards and hundreds of thousands of dollars in cards. And I think that these card shows should step it up and, you know, be a part of modern, the modern America and what's going on right now in the world. So, and another thing too, is one of the main factors too, is, is I wanted to be able to diversify our demographic, you know, not only just African-American, but younger people in the industry, which is why we also implemented adding sneakers. We wanted to do that. So you know, because typically you go to a card show, the average age is probably in the 20, mid 20s. You go to a sneaker show, they're probably, it's probably a little bit less, probably maybe 15, 16, maybe even 17 in that world because those things are attainable. So I wanted to invite those people into our space, welcoming from the A to Z. And we talk about how to become successful. We give you the tools because I have 
I bring in sponsors who have great ideas to make us better as a community. And, I, and we talk about it. So I don't want, like I said, I want to, oh, I want to keep going too far. So yeah. just let me know if no, I go too far. No. I love the mindfulness you have about organizing the show, what you're being very intentional, what you're trying to do. I'd love for you to maybe talk about the, I, I was checking out, I saw, I mean, Michael Vick, that's a headline. I'm seeing yeah. some of the other, I, I saw up in the right corner, I saw my man, Teddy Long. I was like, man, Teddy Long is going to be there. I'm a big wrestling <laughs> fan. So that stood out to me. Um, but nice. maybe talk through the, uh, the, the kind of the people who are going to be there, like the attractions, like the curation, how did they all get put together? Like, I'd love to hear a little more from you on that. Well, the first show, all right, so it was really hard in the beginning to not put a million ideas together to become one show. But at the same time, I have to be mindful of the fact that, A, I'm a new show. I was competing with Dallas that weekend, and I had to come up with creative ideas that would grab people from Dallas, plus grab new people and, and you know, and, and present this new idea that hopefully people could be like, oh, man, this is great. So um, the first show, we added the DJ aspect. And also, I think we're probably one of the first few shows, right? You know, I guess a, a show outside of the Nationals where we actually had the conversation piece. So we had Jeff Wilson come in. We had uh, Eddie from Investicard come in. We also had a special guest, uh, was it Jamal Anderson, running back for the uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. He came in, and we actually had a conversation where we talked about how to become successful in the hobby. We talked about you know the future of the hobby. How do you like these new companies coming in? So we had all these new ideas, as well as we play live music. People liked the fact that it kind of felt like a trade show. It had that national appeal, but it was a little bit smaller. Because sometimes if you go to the national, if it's your first show you ever go to, for the people that are listening, if you go to the nationals and it's your first time, it can be very overwhelming. And you will be looking like left and right all day and like it won't make sense to you. So I think that having better quality, smaller shows you know, and that's not where I want to be at, be at forever. But I think that while I'm here, I'm enjoying it. And I think that that's why I'm learning. Um, I think that, um, you know, being able to have these conversations and talk about ways to become successful and then pushing the agenda of diverse, you know, diversifying, you know, the, the collectors and educating collectors. Because I think that if we have more educated collectors, then we won't make the same mistakes that we made in the last two years. Right. Because there's people who are caught holding the bag, buying cards that, this astronomical number, but had they known to be able to make a sound decision to be like, you know what, you know, if I'm buying this card, I'm buying it because I believe it's going to get past this number and I'm going to sit on it a little bit longer, you know, and if it's okay, if it goes down and then be able to navigate and work through it. So like right now, uh, one of the ideas that was presented to me, and I'm, like I said, I'm, let me know if I'm talking too fast. Keep but, going. Yeah. All right. So the idea that I like from PWCC and also um, Investicard is they have these vaulting options, which means that you basically, ultimately, if you buy a card for X amount of money and you let it sit in your house, it's considered dead money if you're just letting it sit. It's just an investment that's not making you any money. It's literally just sitting there in your house. It looks good, but it's not making you any money. But if you're in the hobby and you're being proactive, then... One of the ideas that PWCC puts out there are investor cards. They allow you to borrow equity, take use that equity out of that card and be able to reinvest, which if you wanted to, you know, hey, I bought a PSA 10 Jordan. Maybe I bought it for five and a grand. I'm not happy with the number I paid for, but instead of me taking a complete loss on it, maybe I'll let I send it to PWCC. Maybe they give me 
40% or 50% or whatever they deem value of it. Maybe I get 200 grand back. And now I'm, I'm in the game. The card's still legally mine. And then now I can take that money and do short-term investments to build up and make money off that equity. So I think, um, you know, I think these ideas that, and that's the, these are part of these educational conversations that we need to have because, you know, guess what? We just started posting stuff on YouTube and podcasts within the last two years, aggressively. And this is only because all this new information is coming out. We're a new, we're not a new hobby, but we're new to this mainstream world. And I think that uh, it's all this information that we have to put out there. So I think when you're putting that stuff out there, I think these shows have to be able to adjust as well. And that's where we're going. But the first show, I feel feel like I kind of went down a a rabbit hole. But uh, ultimately, I want it to be different from everybody else. And so uh, that's why we use the dynamics of the education portion as really like our big draw. I wanted to have kids. So like we advertise and we gave away free slabs to the kids. So we'd invite them to the conversation. We talked to them. We asked them questions. They answered it right. They get the slab. So we did little fun things. And we'll do the exact same thing at this show. We're actually pushing the agenda even bigger. So I could tell you, I'm probably going to tell you more than I probably told anybody else because we're literally a couple of weeks away from culture collision. I want to hear it. And maybe you can talk about it from the context of this is round two of the show. It's that first time of anything, right? You, you've got this vision and you're doing it and you've got, then you learn stuff along the way. So what, what's maybe a lesson learned from the last show that you are um, looking to maybe go bigger on or take out um, something that you learned based on the last time that you're you're kind of infusing into this time or taking it out? I'd love to hear more there. Well, I'll say this. Uh, I really haven't figured out anything I really want to take out. I think this is that the, the way that I attack things have changed this time. One of the things that I really wanted to do was I wanted to get the sponsors to be more interactive with the community. I feel like they kind of get left to the wayside a little bit. So what I'm doing this show is I'm actually doing a scavenger hunt. The scavenger hunt requires you to, first of all, I'm every hour I'm giving away something at the show. I'm going to give away culture collision merchandise. I'm going to give away stuff that sponsors have given, given to me. I've given away stuff that people have given literally inbox me like, hey, I want to donate something to the show. And I can't tell you what those things are yet. But as we get closer to that time, I'll probably announce some things. Like I'm probably going to give away a pair, a pair of tickets to the Atlanta Hawks game versus, you know, versus Toronto that weekend. So like, just to give you an idea of some of the things mm-hmm. I'm probably going to be giving away. But like, just giving these. Like the reason being is that means you have an hour to talk to each sponsor for the show, and mm-hmm. we doing. And and as long as you're there, as long as you're at the show, you have opportunity to potentially win something because I'm not going to take your ticket out. But just know in the beginning, you know, you have an opportunity to be able to, to get there first before everybody else. So I think it's really cool, unique that I want to kind of focus on and giving my sponsors a chance to actually talk to people about what great ideas they have. Because had I n- never talked to you about, you know, the equity option with PWCC or Card, most people that are listening and are watching don't even have a clue about what mm-hmm. I'm saying. So now they have an opportunity to do that with Culture Collision. I want to continue to bring in companies who have great ideas that can help the community because with these great ideas, you can make sound decisions to make, you know, smart investments, smart plays and how to move, move around. So um, I think it's just great ideas. Um, and also the other thing I added this time was a basketball court. The nostalgia of this, I'm doing a charity basketball game. Okay. Um, and that's only because I've literally have been to shows for the last three or four years. 
and people literally say, hey, you want to go play basketball? This happens outside of the event. It's like, okay, I don't really want to leave the show to go play basketball, so I'll probably just stay here. So in this case, we're actually going to do a three-on-three basketball tournament at the show, and I think it's a great thing because we have a lot of uh, influencers playing, sponsors playing, and it gives us a chance to interact with each other and just, you know, just, just kind of let loose a little bit. So I do like that idea. And I don't know how it's going to work out. That might be one of those things where it's like, uh, I don't really know how it's going to work out, but we'll see how it works out. I, I think it'll still be fun. I think it'll still be fun. No doubt. And hopefully there's not any old guys like me who uh, tear an ACL and you have to get the Ooh. AMT out there. <laughs> we've, all, we've all seen that. And we're all definitely very sore after we try. But I love the idea. I love the energy and passion you have directed towards this event. Maybe we talk a little bit about you as just like the individual in the hobby. Like, obviously, you've got Prism God name. That catches my attention. Um, you talked a little bit about um, your mom taking you to Sportacular in Chicago as a kid. Maybe talk about just like uh, how long the hobby's been in the picture for you. And just like before you decided to put on Culture Collision, like what were those moments um, that kind of motivated you to get there? And just anything you want to share just from on the collecting, buying, selling, dealing side, I think it'd be awesome. No problem. I would say this. Uh, I got into collecting. I don't know if I really count this as collecting. My cousin used to have baseball, basketball cards upstairs in my grandmother's house. And sometimes I used to kind of dibble and dabble in his collection a little bit. That's all I'll say. <laughs> 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 and, uh, but that kind of struck my interest first because I, I, I like baseball and I like basketball. So that was kind of like one of the things that, you know, made me gravitate towards that I had favorite players. I was like, oh, cool. This is a cool rookie card. And of course, I went to your favorite magazine, Beckett or Tough Stuff back then because we didn't have Ebays for comp, the comp a card to know what it was worth. So you go there and it's like, oh, this is cool. Here's a Ricky Henderson rookie card. Oh, it's worth 800 bucks. Okay, cool. You know, and you think you got big things and then you go to a card show, which is when I ended up going to that card show that my mom took me in. And I learned it real quickly where I was on the, the totem pole in the card industry. Fast forward a little bit. I started to actually, I went to my first card shop when I got to high school. I used to go to the card shop almost at least a couple times a week with my friend Jesse and my boy Ryan. Uh, Jesse uh, still currently in the hobby. He go by, goes by meter to meter. Uh, he's also responsible for bringing me back into the hobby. In high school, we went, we do some trades. I think we met off literally. We were trading in the high school lunchroom and we ended up becoming friends and started going to the shops. And then fast forward, you know, of course, life goes on. You, you learn that, you know, you like girls, you know, you want to get a job, you want to do all these other things. Uh, and that's basically what happened to me. I ended up doing that in college. Real life happens. And then fast forward a little bit further. I remember the conversation I had when I was in college was, hey, man, you should buy Giannis. I'm like, who is Giannis? <laughs> He's like, buy all the prison base cards for a dollar. They're literally a dollar. Man, it's a great investment. If I were to go back in time right now, I'd probably I would have been a millionaire because I just could have bought all of them for a dollar. But I'm sure we all have those stories too. But I didn't really take this the hobby seriously. I didn't I didn't see the opportunity that it is right now. I don't I, I didn't see the potential of what it could be, and I don't really think I really at that age I didn't buy in. I didn't buy in. I think for the people that are listening and watching, that's one of the things that I think you know people ask me all the time: what makes you successful? You have to buy in. You literally have to buy into it. So I didn't buy in at that age. So then if you fast forward into um, 2017, 2016, 2016, I bought a case of Prism 2017. 
And I enjoyed it. I hung out with, you know, we went to a card show in Orland Square because I came home for Christmas 2016. And, you know, I was having a rough time in my relationship with my girlfriend at the time. I had just lost my brother. So I was just like, I was looking for an outlet. That's literally what it was. I was looking for an outlet, like some type of, you know, relief, like some, something. I ended up going to the card show with my boy Jesse because he was like, man, just get out the house. Come on. So I, I remember going. I bought that case. I ripped it. And I just had so much fun. I ended up buying more cards. Like after I went back, moved, went back to Atlanta and it was like 2017. And I ended up ripping so much. I think I ripped, I bought like, a, I literally drove, I think the week after that, I went to Marty Sports Cards in Knoxville. Not Knoxville, was it? Murphy. I think it is Knoxville. There's Knoxville. I drove like 45 minutes and I went and bought a case and a half. I said, how much prism? I called him. I said, how much prism you got? He said, uh, I got like a case and a half. I'm on my way right now. <laughs> so I bought a case and a half. I ripped the case for half a case. I pulled a, a Jason Tatum prism mojo and literally I just got hooked. And then I think probably like, I want to say a month later, I think there was a Chicago spectacular show. So I ended up coming back just to go to the show. And that was when Prism God was born. I literally, uh, I met some kids. It was just like, oh man, you got a bunch of nice Prism stuff because it's off the stuff I'd already pulled. And it was just like, so you got an Instagram? And I'm like, no, I have no Instagram. Like, well, you should start one because you got some nice stuff. Man, I, I, man, those kids are literally responsible for me creating an Instagram and me coming up with the name Prism God because ultimately that was all I was buying. In 2017, that was all I was buying. It's the only thing that made sense. I had fun doing it. And it just, I don't know, I, I, I got lucky. <laughs> I got lucky. I love the storytelling. Amazing stories. Uh, could maybe, like, I would love to dig in a little bit on Prism and your connection with Prism. I think we all, there's so much in the hobby. And obviously, Prism's a, a popular product. But um, you keep coming back to that. Obviously, that's your, your brand. Um, I loved how we heard the origin story behind it, but what what is it about like the Prism product to you that kind of draws you in and keeps you coming back? Um, I love Prism Gold. I love the rarity. I love the Prism Black. I think honestly, it just makes sense. I wish that they would take less, like make less variations. But I understand that you know when demand gets up, you got to continue to putting out product. You can't just put out product without putting out, you know, more variations and, you know, making bigger numbers and so on and so forth. I get it. But, you know, I, I wish that, you know, I wish a certain brand, I wish the off brands wouldn't exist. But then again, you also have a choice to not buy it. So that, that's how I look at it. I only focus on regular Prism stuff because it's what I love. Prism Gold, Prism Mojo, uh, even the Prism Silver is still one of the nicest, nicest cards you can ever pull. It's just beautiful. I mean, aesthetically, it's just beautiful. I mean, the product itself is uh, one of a kind outside of you, tops chrome i will say tops chrome i think is you know has nothing to do with prism but the, you know I, I think that's the origin story of prism in my you know just based upon what we know no doubt about it you mentioned the tatum mojo i want to know what is the best prism card that you have pulled and currently like what is the best best or favorite what is your favorite prism card that you pulled and what is your favorite prism card that you currently own and they could be the same. Um, man, 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 man. Oh uh, man. I think that prism mojo Jason Tatum is probably the biggest card I ever pulled out of prism, out of prism, out of prism. That's probably the biggest card I ever pulled out of prism at the time. It wasn't worth what it, you know, what it's worth now, you know, 
And you never know, hindsight 2020, you don't really know what's going to go what direction. You don't expect the hobby to blow up. You don't expect anything to work how it worked out. But at the time, I didn't, um, you know, it was one of the best pools I ever pulled, you know, at a prism hobby. Um, My favorite card is the, believe it or not, the Nebula is one of the nicest cards out of prism. I think that card should find its way into hobby. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of people would support that. That um, Nebula uh, is one of those cards that does, I feel like it doesn't get enough coverage for the and, rarity, and it looks great too. So my favorite Prism card that I own right now is probably my Prism One One Jonathan Isaac. Hey, if it's One One, you you can't complain about that. Maybe we before we close out and end up with a little more show stuff. I'd love to talk about like inspiration and the hobby. I think you we touched on like content a little bit and just people Instagram. I think there's so many different people doing amazing things in the hobby. And inherently we all gain some sort of inspiration from them and it helps motivate us, whether it's, you know, what we are, are looking to buy lanes to go down, putting on shows. I'd love to maybe get some individuals that are kind of like, have been your like sources of inspiration to get you to end up put on uh, a show that in Atlanta that everyone's going to be going to in a couple of weeks. All right, that's a great question. First, I would say Nathan Burns. Nathan Burns uh, from Grand Slam. If you nobody knows Nathan Burns, he does the Grand Slam collectible show in Tennessee. He will be at Culture Collision. If you go visit him, you'll know why he's an inspiration to me. Um, he not only puts out the energy, he receives the energy he puts out because he's a good person and you can feel it. You can kind of, you get that from him. He put, Like, you know, if he buys a card for a good price, he'll sell it for a good price. You know what I mean? And that's amazing. That's that's dope. So um, I think he's one of my, he, he's probably my number one inspiration when it comes to the hobby aspect of it. Um, one of my influencers is probably my boy, uh, Jesse Core Meaner Demeanor, uh, the one that got me back into the hobby. He told me from day one to stick with it, and he'd be one of those people that I can call anytime. And and again, if you're new to the hobby, that's the part of the aspect that makes it hard because we have to make these decisions by yourself. It becomes tougher, and you know, especially with no insight. So I lean on people like him, and I have other people who I lean on for insight. Um, but Nathan Burns is one of the people I look at. I mean, I love what he does for the kids. I love what he represents. I love his energy. He just likes to have fun. And that, and I feel like the energy that he puts out, I feel like is what every card shop model should be kind of like, you know, it should be fun and exciting. Like if you're spending tens of thousands of dollars at a card shop, you should never be miserable. You should be like, okay, cool. I got this nice, comfortable couch, got the TV, got the game on, I'm to kick my feet up, whatever. And I should be more, you know, chill and laid back. The other person who inspires me, Anthony Devine, Tony Devine, he does something at the Nationals every year where he brings in kids and he educates them about the sports card industry. And I think that that was another thing that I, I really looked at. I think he's done it for like the last two years so far. But I just think that, you know, at first I didn't get it. But now that, you know, I started kind of putting two or two together where you go to all these, these shows and you don't, you see more adult men than kids. And where's the origin of the love for the, the hobby come from? It comes from the kids. And if they're not in it, we have no future. So I think that that's where, you know, I started to kind of buy in differently and start looking at things differently. And that's that's what that's a reflection of culture collision. That's why we're making it more fun or, you know, and, and making it to where 
like I think today I posted on my Instagram where a 11 year old kid told his dad, this is what he wanted to do for his, he wanted to go to culture collision for his birthday. Like that almost made me cry. Yeah. Like, like, like wow. Like he could have, he could have went anywhere in the world. He wants to come to culture collision for his birthday. I'm like, what? I was like, make sure you see me when you, when you come to culture collision. Cause I got, I got a, I got a birthday. Cause like, that was like, you know, and, I mean, and it's because he went to the first show. He went to the first show and he was just like, I guess he enjoyed it a lot. And he's like, Dad, I want to go there for my birthday. And I'm just like, like I had to tell the guys, like, well, kids are free. So I don't really, <laughs> so you're not really paying anything there. So you, it's a win win for you. <laughs> but um, I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, I think that's another thing too for myself. I started realizing in the beginning once my name, like, I started, people started seeing me, like, aren't you, Co- aren't you Prism God? It started to become real to me. And I've made me kind of want to go hard and try to focus on being better. So I'm sorry, I'm going down a long, a different path, but um, yeah, I just have to say that. No, I love it. You're uh, you can feel the the motivation and the desire and passion you have. You can hear it in your voice. And I've just, I you're, you're always doing something. And I love the mindfulness you have around just like the next generation of people coming in. Culture collision is February 25th and 27th make sure we'll put it in the show notes so people know but maybe share any details uh for for anyone who's interested in going who might be in the area of tickets or any of the logistics or that sort of information of course all right so uh culture collision is february 25th through the 27th all kids 12 and under are free um adults are 20 dollars uh if you want vip passes it's 80 dollars but it also comes with a VIP gift bag. I think you'll like it. And I think you'll find it is actually worth the extra 20 bucks if you're coming for all three days. And it's one of those things where I recommend people to come for all three days, because I think the experience will be different from each day because we're going to have different things going on each day, uh, which I think makes it more desirable to make sure you're coming to be a part of it. Um, we want to make it a, a, an experience that you just say, hey, I want to come hang out with the family. One of the things we're also doing at the show is we're going to have my wife's beauty school, School of Demology, there so you can bring your wife and maybe potentially even get a facial or get something done for her so she can kind of hang out with the boys or hang out with us and it'd be more of a family attraction versus it just being, you know, just, just the boys. You know, so I think that if you come on out, if you're a fan of sports cards, you're a fan of sneakers, if you're a fan of gaming cards, whether it be Pokemon or Magic the Gathering, if you're a fan of memorabilia or autographs, this is where you're going to want to be at going forward. Culture collision is for everybody. Smart man, keep the wives and keep the keep the significant others happy. That's a, that's the way to do it. I really appreciated this. Everyone, go check out what Prism God is doing. Go check out Culture Collision. Thanks so much for your time, man. We'll have to get you back on. Thank you, man. Anytime, brother. Thank you, Brett. Man, I really enjoyed that energy and that passion. I'm excited for what he is doing at Culture Collision. If you're going to be in the Atlanta area, go check out that show. Put some stuff out there. I'm not going to be there. I wish I could, but I want to see it on Instagram, YouTube. You put it out there. Go follow my man, Prism God. Love people in the hobby with a ton of passion. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. I'll be back. More Stacking Slabs next week. Have a good Super Bowl.